Turn in your Bible to Psalm 23 and stand with me this morning. I trust that this series has been an encouragement to you and that the Lord has spoken to you in uh, at least one or two more of the services. I believe it was divine timing for us. I've never uh, took the opportunity or felt led to preach a series on this, but it has been very rich for me as your pastor to study and delve into the depths of this uh, well of encouragement and revelation. And so today will be part five. We should have two more Sundays and we'll complete our series on Psalms 23. And they've not ended exactly in right compartments, but we're going to get there. So I'll begin reading Psalms 23 and then I'll fall out and I want to hear you read or say it aloud as well. The Lord is my shepherd. That's right. And on that note, you may be seated. I love what John Wesley said. He said, it's a lot easier to rein in a wild horse than it is to resuscitate a dead one. So every now and then a forever and ever is really good for us. It wakes us up. I want to start today in verse 3, part B, uh, and then go forward, and we covered a lot of this two weeks ago. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Paths of uh, righteousness means God-honoring, God-ordained, God-connected uh, paths. It also means right paths for me individually, where I work, who I date, who my friends are. If the Lord is your shepherd, he leads you in right paths for his namesake. And I want to talk to you, continue this morning uh, on his leadings. And if we have time, we'll go into the portion about uh, the valley of the shadow of death and not fearing evil, fearing no evil. But I want to speak to you firstly about his leadings. It's one thing to say something, and it's another thing to mean it. It's a very old illustration, but it's it's very applicable. I, I, I heard very few that bring across the point as clearly as this. Early on, now if you remember this when it was happening live, you are old. Do y'all remember when they hung a wire across Niagara Falls and they wheelbarrowed across it? I hope, I hope most of y'all didn't see it live or hear about it, you know. But they would hang a, a wire across Niagara Falls and they would tightrope across it. Now that's one thing. And then this guy said, how many of you believe that I could push this wheelbarrow across it? And the crowd said, yeah. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? (laughs) And a lady said, I will. This is our difficulty. This is our exposed reality. 
We sing lies to God and about God. We say things about Him that when it comes time, we're nowhere near the wheelbarrow. See, the people that don't know God never stand and say, We believe! We do that. But when He he asks us or invites us or points us into difficult places, we do not believe that His pathways are best. They are always best. Is that me? Am I saying S louder than I usually do? They're always best. And for some to say God's pathway, the Lord leads us along the best pathway for our life. But to believe that, to get in the wagon and say, I'm going to believe that every direction the Lord leads me are best. Because I believe, and I want you to picture this wagon all day today. I believe that God is too wise to make a mistake and he's too loving to be unkind. We need to come to a place where we can honestly say this for ourselves. Not worrying about anybody else. For my babies, daddies and mamas, you know what I'm talking about. You'd give your life in a minute for them, but to trust them to God's care over your own. To say, I believe that the Lord's plans for me are perfect. They're perfect in their intention. They're perfect in their revelation. They're perfect in their process, and they're perfect in their result. I believe that the shepherd is great flawless and cannot make a mistake and will not lie to believe it for every situation not some of the time and not most of the time but every time no exceptions no exclusions the Lord is my shepherd he leadeth me he does not drive me he does not command me I love this perfect analogy here about the the tightrope across Niagara Falls. He doesn't point me to go. He leads me. John, you want to do this? Come on. And if there's, if there's a revelation of him, see, it's not that we're bold or great or filled with character or courageous or we're super spiritual. If you see God, people will think that you're courageous. If you see God clearly... And follow him. It's not that you're courageous. You just see what other people don't see. You know what other people don't know. And you will do what other people don't do with that revelation. Our problem is we have professed and sung and decreed way past our actual reality. The Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me. He leadeth me in right paths at the right time. Even if it looks like it or not, that he's leading me in the best pathway, even when my situation contradicts it. Some pathways are vindicated in this life. Others are vindicated in the life to come. When you hear of people giving their life for the gospel and missionaries being murdered, and you say, how, how can that be best pathway? Wait till coronation day. When they receive a martyr's crown by the hands of the Lamb of God. Some are validated and vindicated in this life. Others are validated or vindicated in the one to come. But God leads us in right paths even if it doesn't look like it. Even if they make no sense. It is not your job to figure out God's pathways. It is our job to walk in them. 
We're not supposed to figure out the why or the how. I heard one preacher say, we are educated far past our obedience. We're just to walk. How freeing it is to walk behind a shepherd and not have the answer to where you're going or how you're going to get there. That's on the shepherd. Even if his leadings lead us backward or to loss, straight paths are rare. Predictable paths are even rarer. But the same Christians who believe that God gives have a difficult time believing that God taketh away. God leads at times backwards. Sometimes he deconstructs. Other times he constructs. Sometimes he adds. Other times he takes away. Whether Whichever he's doing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because I know he has my best at heart. This is... This is the dividing line. Do you believe? Do you get in the wheelbarrow believe that God has your best at heart? The only way we wouldn't is if we believe he'll fail us in his character or his power. That's it. He doesn't have the power to get me across or he doesn't have the character to keep his word. One of the two. And when you cross over, first of all, it's a very turbulent It's like a rocket breaking the gravitational pull of this earth. To cross over, you will shake and tremble and feel like you're coming apart at the seams. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And then when you break through into absolutely God will not lie to me nor fail me, you come through. They say, how do you know you broke through? How do you know when you take a rock out of your shoe? You just, that's gone. The stress of it's gone. You're still navigating the same place as you said. That's not on me. That's the shepherd. The shepherd. I lean on the shepherd. David said he, the Lord, the almighty God, the one that delivered me from the lion and the bear and Goliath will deliver me from my son or Saul or anybody else. I never asked for the kingdom. He invited me to be king. It's his to give. It's his to take away. I'm just going to worship him. And there's a freedom there. His leadings are not only best for us, but they're best for him, for his glory. It said, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, I'm going to offend some of you here, and I'm willing to do that to be your pastor. Not all in this grouping are like this, but many are. Be careful of this new wave of local church. They call themselves emerging. They call themselves relevant. They call themselves... um, There's always new titles for it. But you know it is error. It doesn't mean that everything they say is error, but you know it's based on error when he leads me for my sake instead of for his sake. He leads me... For his namesake. I heard uh, Miss Osteen, and I'm not bashing her. I don't know her heart. I don't know her ministry. I don't follow her. But what came out of her mouth was wrong at best and heresy at worst. It was published all over a lot of Christian sites. It was a year or so ago. She said, when we obey the Lord, we're not really doing it for him. 
We're doing it for us because it brings happiness and joy and promotion to us. So yeah, kind of in a way it's for him, but it's not because the Lord's greatest desire is for us to be happy. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. God grants us joy unspeakable and full of glory to every life he deals out happiness and to every life he allows sorrow. But everything, look at me this morning and listen to your pastor. Everything, every gift, every taking away, every uh, promotion, every demotion, every blessing, every struggle is for His glory. His glory, for His namesake, not for mine. We are not writing Him into our story. He is writing us into His story. And don't fall for this They'll heap unto themselves teachers because they have itching ears and they want them to tell them it's about them and it's for them. And there are things for you, but those are byproducts. The primary is that my life, my living, my, my expression and my time on the earth would bring glory to the Lord. And he leads me so that my life will do that. He doesn't lead me primarily into comfort. As he leads me, I will have comfort. But he doesn't lead me into comfort. He doesn't lead me primarily into blessings. But I will have blessings. Scripture is crystal clear about that. He doesn't lead me primarily into promotion. But he tells me that promotion does not come from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. He leads me into paths that will bring glory to him. And any core teaching that talks about God doing it for you is wrong at the center. And there can't much good come out if it's wrong at the center. What it is is secular humanism stamped with Jesus on it. Secular humanism is you're the subject of the universe. No, God's the hub. And we spin around him. Now, number two, his leadings are not without their difficulties. You've got to tell this part. God's pathways are both broad and narrow. They can be easy, but they are difficult. And I will tell you that my journey has been more difficult than it has been easy because my flesh fights it. (laughs) It's not difficult, but it's difficult when you're trying to survive. The way you do stuff, your attitudes, your mindset, your friends, your habits, your hobbits, hobbies, your music, your everything, and you're trying to get through the the sin detector like at the airport, like a metal detector, and you're trying to walk with the Lord. "Ah!" Okay, okay, okay. And you can go to this other church or you can follow your own path where there is no detector. There's no difficulty. The difficulty is no flesh is going to glory in his sight. And God wants us to be transformed, changed, not make behavioral changes, change from the inside out, bringing glory, being imitators of Jesus Christ, where the spirit comes out of us and changes us in our very core. Here are some of the difficulties. His leadings, some of them 
there is the testing of bewilderment. You'll find it in 2 Chronicles 20 where the three kings came against the people of God and said, we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither do we know what to do. If you follow the Lord's leading, you're going to come into places where you don't know what to do. And the shepherd's there, but you can't see him. The shepherd's there, but you can't hear him. All you know is you've been following him to the best of your ability and you have been led into this bewildering place. Here's the way we would say it. If God is leading me, why this? Maybe I didn't hear the Lord, because if I heard the Lord, this wouldn't have happened. Anybody else beside me done that? If, if, if I, felt, I felt the Lord was leading me, because in our mind, if the Lord's leading us, we'll never get to those situations or putting ourselves in those positions. And here's what they said. We don't know what to do by the reason of this great multitude. So they came into the house of God and they said, and I'm paraphrasing, you told us if we're ever in trouble, we could come before you in this temple and that you would hear us. And it said, I love the imagery of this. It said, the men stood there with their wives and children. So here's my wife and here's my babies and Kelly's holding uh, one of the girls and grandma's got Elisha because Elisha don't go to anybody but grandma. Grandma's got Elisha and I got one of the girls and they're, they're coming to kill us. Men, they're going to rape the wives in front of the men and slaughter the children in front of the men and women then kill the men last. Three kingdoms against this one little nation. And they're standing in the temple and they said, we don't know what to do by reason of this great multitude. You, we've been following you. And we, we don't know what to do. And here it is. But our eyes are upon you. That's not a plan. That's not action. He said, we don't know what to do. And you've got to get to a place. You've got to be willing to be at a place where you say with, get in the wheelbarrow clarity. I don't know what to do, but you do. And the word of the Lord came through one of the prophets and said, God wants to say something to y'all. He says, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude coming to destroy you. Because this ain't your battle. It's the Lord's. And God's got you in this. But we want him to handle it before there is a it. And see, you're changed in it. Gideon said, where are all the miracles of our fathers and grandfathers? We heard of the opening of the Red Sea. And we, we hear of the crossing of the Jordan. And we hear of all the victories. Where is that God? See, he didn't have no miracles and victories of his own. And this is where the rubber meets the road. We want to have the testimony of daddy and grandma's miracles. And not our own. And God wants to give you your own Red Seas. Your own uh, Jordan Rivers, your own Goliaths, for you to come to places where you say, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, O oh Lord. And God comes in and defends his name in your life. Many of us don't have those victories because we scream and complain so much in the process that he pulls back and does not do the deeper work that he wants to do in us where we can have category 10 conflict but category 11 faith and says, deal the next card. Why can, how can you say that? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want for deliverance, protection, provision, power, preservation, healing, promotion, 
that faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith in God. Your belief system. Your belief system in God, about God, who God is and who are, you are to Him, overcomes everything. Nothing can come against you that faith doesn't have the answer. And, and taking above all else, take the shield of faith. Above everything else, all the armor, take the shield of faith. Because with faith, you can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. He, he dips the arrow. Uh, it's wrapped in oily rag and the point's there. And they shoot the arrow and it's supposed to come into the person and ignite them. Keep them on fire. And the Bible says the shield of faith, that arrow will stick in it and it'll go out. I'll kill you. Not before the Lord says so. You're not coming out of this one. Pow. I came out of the last one. I'll kill your children. They're not yours to kill. I committed unto the Lord the first day. You see, faith. You can't do anything to me that God doesn't allow or plan. That's not arrogance. That's confidence. Don't let the opinions of other people. Oh, you're just, you're just radical. You're just, that's just crazy. You know what radical means? You trust Jesus more than they do. That was free. This is not even in my notes. There's the testing of sickness. Oh, have I struggled with the charismatics on this one. You're sick and you say, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't, don't. You're giving life to it. Come on, guys. If I've got the flu, I'm not giving life to it when I say I got the flu. You need to be more positive. I'm positive I got the flu. <laughs> I remember going to preach for a gentleman. I got off the airplane. He picked me up. I met him there. And I, I'm sorry. Two stories overlapped. I, I drove into town, went in his office, and he said, Good morning, brother. I said, Man, I'm struggling this morning. Everything, all the plumbing, the head. You know how it'll go over one eye, you know, and all that, and the ears are clogged up. He goes, what do you mean? I said, man, I'm struggling. I'm here, though. I'm going to preach. And he goes, what are you saying? I said, I'm telling you, I'm sick. And that's where I got that statement from. He goes, no, you're not. I said, oh, trust me on this one. <laughs> I would say the bathroom would tell you otherwise, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not gonna say. I said, man, I am sick. And he, he, his face got like blood red. You know when the vein comes up on the head and it's throbbing? I'm thinking... Man, you need to get that checked, that thing there. That'll keep. And he was just mad. He looked like he was going to hit me. I'm, I'm not exactly. He was like, and you know what's going through his mind. I've invited you to preach, you ungodly backslid reprobate. You have no faith. You know, I can see it just going through the vein, you know, the words trembling through that. And I okay, 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 brother. Okay, just, just may I ask you respectfully one, one question. And I don't even have to preach for you if you don't want me to. I'll go home. May I ask you one question? He goes, sure. I said, you say I'm not sick. No! Then how can he be a healer of something I don't have? He made like, you know how you can, like a demon trying to get out in there? He goes, and he walked off. I was like, I'll take you out. Don't come near me. He let me preach. And I preached. And the Lord has instantaneously and over time healed me. Listen to me. God doesn't get glory in you lying about anything. I have been sick. 
He has healed my body. He's healed my mind. He's healed my emotions. He's the Lord that healeth me. And I got to have something to be healed of something. Don't get caught up in that. Now, having said that, having said that, let me go over and tell you why that little doctrine was created. Because there are people that talk 30 minutes about their sickness and then go, what the Lord is able. (laughs) Stop giving glory to the difficulty and amplify God, magnify God in your life. I'm not going to deny it, but I'm not going to write a book about it. You ever meet anybody, you go, how you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. And you go, oh, no, no. And you know, by the time they're done, you've got what they got. You know, you're checking for lumps and bumps. And Paul said, I, I sought the Lord three times to deliver me from this sickness. And the Lord wouldn't do it. Well, did he, is he our healer? Yes. Yep. But sometimes, like it or not, it's in Scripture and it's validated over and over. Sometimes God will allow sickness to teach you something. Oh, that's your God sounds like my Satan. That's what one guy told me. No, no. I wouldn't put sickness on my baby for anything. If it kept him out of hell, I would. If it kept them from throwing away 30 years of their life, I would. And Paul said, the Lord said, no, Paul, no. Because of the revelations you've had, if everything worked for you, you'd vaunt yourself and be haughty and heady and be filled with pride and I'd have to resist everything you do. So because of the level of revelations you have, I've given you a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet you, but I've not left you in it alone. I've given you sufficient grace. So he either heals me or he gives me sufficient grace. He leads us into difficult places. I'm only going to get through two of them probably this morning. So we'll have two next week and then we'll do, we'll finish up the following week. I said that for my benefit so I'd know where I was in this. There are wilderness testings. Did you know the Lord will not only lead you into a broad place, but he'll lead you into the wilderness? It says, and the spirit drove, drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil 40 days. So the Spirit leading the Son of God led him into the wilderness, but he's not going to lead you into one. Let's let's reason together. The Lamb of God, one-third of the triune Godhead, and the Holy Spirit leads him in the wilderness for testing. The Bible said that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned, you know, if Jesus can learn obedience through suffering, you know we need night classes. And he led him into the wilderness. So let's pan back. Is he giving us geographical information or is he giving us something deeper? Places that are dry, barren, no beauty, dangerous, uncomfortable, unpredictable, where demonic activity has access to you. And he does not bring you into that place to shame you or destroy you. It's to make you even stronger. And when the word comes out of you and you say, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
I will not bow down and worship you because God says that he alone is God and him only should we worship and serve. And when he came out of that wilderness experience, the devil left him. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And the devil left him and angels came and ministered life into him. And when he came out of the wilderness, he was the son of God manifested. Great strength. So maybe you're following the Lord and you went into a, a dry, barren place and you say, or some Christian would tell you, well, you must have missed a turn somewhere. No. He leads me sometimes in wilderness places, but he hasn't forgotten me. And if it seems like he's gone, he's just pulled back. And right when I need him most, he's going to flood me with angelic ministry and spiritual infusion. And I'm going to come out greater and stronger and more fearless, less fear than I've ever had before. This is either really, really good or really, really bad. Y'all are staring at me so intently. <laughs> there is the test of delay. I don't know of a whiter heat than waiting on God. And I talked about this last week. And if you missed last week, I really encourage you. The Lord had me come up and I left my notes on the first row and I just encouraged you that the word of the Lord, he's going to watch over it to perform it. And there's no, for me, worse than abandonment, worse than betrayal, worse than loss. When you're sitting at the bus stop waiting for God and everybody else's buses come by and pick them up and you can't figure it out for nothing. There's a hollowing that takes place. It's an emptying. It's a tearing of your soul. And it makes deep cracks in your soul that are later filled with the concrete of faith. People say, don't doubt. Hey, work through your doubts. Don't throw them to the side. Work through them. Because doubts that have been overcome are the concrete of your soul. And I can tell you, my experience has been some people's buses come before mine. Some come after mine. But my bus comes right on time. There's the testing of opposition. Some of you may be going through this now at work or in your home or in your ministry. People who oppose you just don't like you. Are you okay with people just not liking you? There's just some people who don't like I just can't believe that, that they wouldn't like me. Anybody else beside me? I'm like, I'm a good guy. What's your problem? I'm nice. I'm kind of, and they're just, they're just not going to like you. If they call Jesus Beelzebub, guess what they're going to call you? And there are some people, you just got to be okay with them not liking you. Now, I don't mean be mad at them. Just feel sorry for them because of what they're missing. I just, like this lady said, I went over to this person and I stuck out my hand and she wouldn't shake it. I'm going to let three weeks of her life go by. Shake your own hand. You got to consider the source. There are going to be people, they oppose Jesus. They oppose the prophets. There are going to be people that oppose you spiritually, physically, relationally, financially. You're going to have opposition just like everybody else in the world. Everybody's got opposition. There are people who don't like me. I know you don't believe that. I know that is so hard to believe. I had one guy tell me one time after church, I come up to him, how are you today? I'm all right. 
something wrong? It was that message you preached. I said, what about it? Whole thing. And then he said, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. Bye. Say, what, what, really, John, now tell me the truth. Did you do that on purpose? That sounded like somebody's windows not working, like ding, ding. Don't do no more because that made me forget what I was saying. What was I saying? What? Oh, he said, I wouldn't walk Christian. John, tell me the truth. Were you mad? Were you crushed? No, my first thought was, God, help his wife. <laughs> that was my first thought. I'm like, somebody lives with this guy. Help his dog, help his cat. Consider the source. This isn't in my notes, but I feel I'm supposed to give this to somebody. Consider the source. Most of the people you're losing sleep over or worried about, you weren't even trying to be close with. Or, and even if you, you know, were, do you really respect them in the Lord? See, the bond that we have is like precious faith. I remember my mom telling me a story when her and my daddy were pastoring in little South Georgia towns. Uh, unless the Lord tells you, don't pastor in, in little small towns. You've seen it, you know, family-owned and operated church. Been there 150 years, and there's always a cemetery out back. You know who's in there, don't you? The preachers. <laughs> Every preacher that dies, they don't even give them headstones. They just put them back there and just bring in a new one. <laughs> And, they, oh, and be careful when they got the little parsonage too, the little 500 square foot parsonage that they own. And mama said that they would go into the, come in the parsonage on Sunday morning, beating on the door. And you know, people, if we got kids, guess what we're doing in the morning and when we get home? We got kids, just, just a thought, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, so they're knocking on the door, mama's trying to get me and Jim together, you know, and kids going crazy. And the lady's at the door. She goes, do you have the church vacuum? Uh, I, th I think we did borrow it. May we use it? Don't you just wish you could, if God could just freeze time and you could get one shot off, you know, and just knock a wig off her head just as hard as you could hit her. And then you, when, she, when time comes back, you go, I don't know what happened to you, lady. And so mom would bring the vacuum out and give it to her. And she, thank you. And she was losing sleep over this crazy lady. You know, what's wrong? We're trying to love the Lord. What are we doing wrong? And you're, you're paying interest on stuff that is silly. Just silly. The problem ain't the vacuum. She's crazy. She, she's, that's all you have going on in life? You want to hassle a pastor's wife of a 30-member church? That's your call to fame? You know, you... That's all you got going on? So anyway, she said, I just was, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. I, there's no victory. I couldn't pray. I couldn't anything. And she said, so one day the Lord, you know, sometimes he just has to hold a flash card and go, cat, dog. And then we think we're spiritual. We go, oh, I get it. She come in the uh, back of the church and the lady was near the front. Nobody was really there yet. And the lady was in, well, the lady was in the foyer, however that worked out. The lady was in the foyer, and she looked left, and she looked right. Pulled her dress up, inside out, and blew her nose in her dress. A good one. Rubbed that rascal together, 
and fluffed it back down. And she said, you may think I'm crazy, but I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, consider the source. And from then on, every time she tried to be mean to my mom, she sees her blowing her nose. And she goes, here, you got enough problem. You know, no problem, no problem. If the Lord's in it, you won't have opposition. Really? Opposition comes to unbeliever and believer alike. You'll have the test relational, relationally, misunderstandings, misrepresentation, mistreatment, malignment. There's the testing of darkness and confusion. Do you remember John the Baptist? When he come on the scene, God had been quiet for 400 years. And then John the Baptist came on the scene, nothing to really look at, and camel skins and uh, goat skins and uh, eating wild locusts and honey. Man, I don't, no prophet's diet for me. <laughs> and he, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent. Prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus called him a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he knew, he goes, there's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water, but he's going to do it with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'm not, un I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And the crowd started to leave John and go into Jesus. He must increase, I must decrease. And he, we find him in prison for preaching. Jesus' crowds are big, his are gone. And his following the Lord came to a very dark and confusing place. Brother Mark, if you'd come on up for me. If I'm following the Lord, then why this? I mean, I know I'm supposed to decrease, but this much? Why is there no recognition? Why is there no notoriety? Why is there no... Miracle. Why hasn't the prison split open in the great earthquake? Why has an angel come down? And you may not believe this, but it can get so dark that you'll question the very core of who God is. One of the guys come to see John the Baptist and he said, Hey, through the prison doors, go ask Jesus, is he really the one? Or should I look for another? Think about it. This is the one that cried out. That's the lamb. That, that's the one. But when your circumstances get difficult or not, you'll question what you believed with all your heart last week. And so they went and said, Jesus, yes. John the Baptist said to go ask you if you're really Messiah. And he said, you go tell John the Baptist the things that you see, how the deaf hear and the lame walk and the blind see and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And tell John this for me. Blessed is the man that's not offended in me. Well, I'm not offended in Jesus, you'd say. I'm just offended in this position. But Jesus led him in the position. Jesus led him into the position. So they come back. G uh, John's in the prison. He said, did you ask Jesus? Did he say he was Messiah? He said, no. I think he thinks you know that. But he said to tell you that the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the poor have the gospel preached to them. He said, don't be offended in him in the place he's led you. 
And if it ended there, there's John the Baptist saying, okay. And it wasn't long after they cut his head off. God always delivers. Not in this world. John, don't be offended in confusion. Don't be offended in darkness. Don't be offended. Follow the shepherd. And what John didn't hear, we got to hear when the Bible was written. Jesus, speaking of John, said, What did you go out to see? A man in fine raiment? Oh, kings sit in palaces holding scepters, clothed in glorious apparel. You got to see a reed shaking in the wind? Are you celebrating his weakness and his fragility? Listen, I've been waiting all morning to tell you this. He said, I tell you, who's I? Jesus. I tell you the truth. There hath never been born a man greater of woman than that man. There's never been born of a woman a man greater than that man. John didn't hear it. And there's some things being said over you that you don't hear, but God's saying them. Hang in there. Follow the shepherd. No sooner than his head left his body, he was in the presence of God Almighty. I wonder if God let him hear what Jesus was saying. Never hath been born of woman a man greater than him. Because he followed me whithersoever I took him. Are you willing to follow the Lord anywhere? Difficulty. Ease. Penthouse. Poorhouse. Sounds like a marriage covenant, doesn't it? In sickness and in health. For rich or for poor. As long as you and I live. I'm yours. The shepherd is leading you in right paths. He's leading you in righteous paths, even if it don't look like it. And the day will come very soon when clarity will come. I speak it over this house. Clarity will come. Say, oh, that's what you were doing. Either in this life or the one to come. As for the Lord, Scripture says, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all who trust Him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I hear in my spirit like somebody, and it's not audible, it's just impressions. I, I just submit it to you. Somebody saying in their heart, lead on, Lord. Even if I cry, lead on. Forgive my complaint. Lead on, lead on, lead on. I'm not asking for ease. You know I like ease better than difficulty. Lead on. Lead me. Lead me. Lead me. Some of us have said that all our life in our prayers and never meant it. Lead me and guide me, oh Lord. Lead me and guide me. But will you let him lead you and guide you? Do you believe? Do you believe? And the cry came out from Christ's chapel. Yes. And the Lord holds a wheelbarrow in front of you and says, Do you really believe? Who will get in and trust their life and trust that He will get them to the other side?
to the shepherd. Can you say with integrity this morning, under your breath, loud enough for the Lord to hear, Lord, you are my shepherd. If so, I want you to tell him, you're my shepherd. I shall not want. You lead me in righteous paths for your namesake. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I declare like my sister, I will dwell forever, 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 forever in the house of the Lord God. I'm on my way to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion. I'm on my way to Zion, the city of the living God. Lead on, Jesus. Let's do this. Lead on. Lead on, Lord. Church family, that's it. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you this morning.